Good morning. morning. Well, here's the thing. I'm standing over there and I'm worshiping. And we're singing songs about you make me brave. And Lord, I want to go deeper with you. I want to go deeper with you. So I'm going to step out into the unknown and I'm just going to walk with you. But here's the thing. Are you really willing to do what it takes to do that? Because there's a cost. And the cost will be for us to step out into places that we don't want to step out into. And we'll have to feel things that we won't have to want, want to feel. And so I want to start this message with, do you really want to be brave? Do you really want to step out into the unknown? Because it's going to cost you. And are you willing to do whatever it takes to go deeper with God? I've been through that brutal place. And I have to offer it to you because I think every believer needs to have it offered. But it means that you might have to admit something that you don't want to admit that you might have to feel something that you don't want to feel. And that's what this message is about. It's about fear and anxiety. And in our culture today, it gets named and labeled everything else, like digestive problems or heart flutters or whatever. But in reality, there's this deep place within us that never gets looked at because it's scary. It makes you fearful. (laughs) And it takes a supernatural power to walk through it. So I ask you, are you willing to open your mind to the possibility that maybe you've had some denial? And it's time to open your mind to allow God to speak to you about something that maybe you've never considered before. Let's pray. Father, I know that your presence is here. And I know, Lord, that it's only with you and your supernatural strength and your promises and your presence that we could ever possibly consider stepping out into the scary unknown But I believe this morning, Lord, that there will be minds that just might open just a little bit to your voice. And Lord, when we leave this place, we will be just a little bit freer because we've walked with you. We've admitted the truth. And so, Lord, we give it all to you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we live in a fast-paced uptight society. It's very, very high pressure, right? How many people commute to the city? That alone, ugh, that alone. And then in our workplaces, in our relationships, our marriages that are so difficult to make happen, we can be really stressed out, can't we? And we, we name it stress, but we really don't know exactly where that's coming from. We just get up the next day and we do the same thing again and we live out and manage the way that we know how. Well, I've got a riddle for you, okay? See if you can answer this. What lies at the bottom of the ocean and twitches? 
Now you say, I don't know. What does lie at the bottom of the ocean and twitches? A nervous wreck. <laughs> it takes a second. <laughs> and that's what we can become with our busy schedules and with our relational conflicts and our workplace demands and even the danger in the world. You know, you turn on the TV and the media does a great job of tapping into the fears of people because when they can tap into the fears of people and people get into an uproar, it makes them a lot of money and gets them a lot more attention, right? You gotta be really careful not to get sucked up into the tricks of the culture. But we live in an uptight, world and it can drown our personal peace and tranquility who doesn't want to experience peace and tranquility i'm looking for it all the time but this world can really steal it but here's the thing we don't need to let that happen to our life we don't here's the truth for you did the demands and the pressures of life will always be there. We keep trying to take them away, don't we? But they're gonna always be there, but we, in the midst of all of it, can learn to stay calm. If, and I'm gonna emphasize that over and over, if we're willing to do what it takes. So we open our series, this is really important in this culture that we live in, and we're calling it Stay Calm. And today we're gonna to look at two common culprits that can steal our calm if we allow it to, and that's anxiety and fear. Now the Bible says, do not fear. You've read that, right? You've read it over and over. It says, do not fear. You know how many times it says that in the Bible? One for every day of the year. 365 times the Bible says, do not fear. Well, I wish all of us could walk out of here and just simply not fear. We are fearless people. We're going to hit the world. But that's not going to happen. It's a tall order when God says to us, do not fear. But you can bank on this. When he tells us something to do, he will equip us for that task. But we don't just stand there and say, okay, God, now you do it all for me. No. He requires something from us. And that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, we're going to look at this. Our key verse for the series is this. The Lord himself, I love this. The Lord himself will fight for you, you, so stay calm. Look at that person next to you and say, chill out. Chill out. That's what this is all about. Stay calm because the Lord's going to fight for you. You see, we tend to look at fear and anxiety as very negative. We look at it as something, ooh, I don't want to be fearful. Ooh, I don't want anxiety. But the reality of it is God gave fear and anxiety to us as a signal. It's a built-in warning signal in our life. When we feel fear, when we feel anxiety, that is our warning light going off that says something in our mind and something in our heart needs attention. Now, when you get this warning light in your car, what do you do? The way that we respond to that warning light will determine whether our car is going to get better or over time it's going to be destroyed and wear out, right? If we heed that warning sign and we go, we identify whatever the problem is, we know it's going to cost us money 
and we can put it off as long as we want to, but if we ignore it, time is our enemy. It will get worse and worse and worse. Same thing with us. God gave us that built-in alarm system. We need to get in tune with our fears, and we need to get in tune with what that anxiety is because God is trying to say something, something in your mind, something in your heart needs attention. And the longer we let that go, the more it's going to build up, the bigger it's going to get. And, and the one thing that I've found with us is we're afraid to face our fears and our anxiety. We just push it down further, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Fear and anxiety is a warning flashing light for our soul. And so instead of pushing it away, God says, embrace it. Let's work together on this. So how we respond to that flashing light is going to determine the path that our life takes. You know, I've had a little teenage girl years and years ago, and she said when a flashing light would come on in her car, she would just turn the radio louder. <laughs> I think of her every, all the time. Because I th she didn't know what to do with that flashing light. She didn't have the money to pay for her car, so she just ignored it. And eventually her car broke down. She didn't have it again. It cost her 10 times as much. You understand where we're going with this? You see, the number one reason for problematic fear and anxiety is ignoring it. And so we, we're taking this time to say, if God tells us to stay calm, we need to pay attention to some things that are happening in our life so that we can see what he wants to say to us. You see, every single one of us experiences anxiety and fear. But anyone willing to do the work can put fear and anxiety in its place. It'll never go away, but we can put it in its place and we can make it smaller because you see what anxiety is, is something so big that it overwhelms us, that it overtakes us, that it drowns us. We don't even know what it is and it's in control of us. And so I titled this message, Stay Calm, Diffusing the Power, Diffusing the Power of Fear and Anxiety. Now when I thought of that, I thought of a bomb. And I thought, well, how do the experts diffuse a bomb? So I went to Wikipedia to find out. Don't we find everything out at Wikipedia? And it says there, it says, it's the process by which hazardous explosive devices are rendered safe. Has anyone ever diffused a bomb? Well, we can diffuse a bomb going on within us. And that's how we're going to approach anxiety and fear. It's potentially hazardous and explosive, and I see it happening to people all the time. It's happened to me. It, it explodes. It's hazardous. Yet it's possible to render it safe and make it work for us. It's possible for us to weaken the destructive power of fear and anxiety. So what is anxiety? We're going to just take a look at anxiety and fear for a second. It, I asked Colin to draw this, and he did a great job. Anxiety is simply a big dark cloud that's hanging over our head that has this kind of impending doom in it. It's got all of these thoughts, feelings, and fears jumbled up. We don't even know what they are. We don't even realize that they're there, but they're jumbled up, 
and they are in control of us because we don't know what they are. So immediately, when we begin to diffuse the power of anxiety, we're gonna begin to sort that out and name what it is. And we'll find a lot of irrational thoughts there. We'll find fears there. And we'll find feelings that we didn't even know that we had. But anxiety is when we refuse to take that apart and separate it when it's a big cloud like that It's going to cause us to fear the future. We won't want to step into the unknown because we're terrified of it, and it paralyzes us, and then it begins to work on our body, and then we go to the doctor, and we say, give me a pill for this, and we are way down a road when all we needed to do was take some time and say, you know what? I have anxiety in my life. i got to figure out what these thoughts and fears and feelings are are all about. The moment you do that, you begin to diffuse the power that anxiety has over your life. Let's look at these little other bullet points that we have up here. We create much of the anxiety in our life. We create it. We don't need to. It's because it's the wrong use of our imagination. Now, more imaginative people, more creative people are going to have more trouble with this because you can go, you're so creative that you can go down so many rabbit trails of what could happen that uh, you're, you're constantly uh, doing that. But it's the wrong use of our imagination, and it's the fear of the future. It's always the anxiety is fear of the future. Depression is being stuck in the past. That's just a rule of thumb. Anxiety is fear of the future. And if you begin to pull this apart, you'll see that you're trying to keep bad things from happening. And that's going to overwhelm you, and that's going uh, to create even more anxiety, more stress. And uh, the way that we diffuse it is we identify it. We admit it. It's there. I've got these thoughts, and say what they are. I've got these feelings. I'm scared. I'm afraid. I'm feeling like a failure. I'm on and on and on. There's all kinds of things. The moment we do that, we begin to diffuse its power over us. So here are some things. So I put in there, and I don't know if you're going to do it, but if you're brave enough, if you really want to step into the unknown, take that little fill in the blank there, and it says, I am afraid of, are you brave enough to do that? Or are you scared of what you're scared of? (laughs) Fill that in. And here are some of the things. These are the things that are uh, in anxiety. Number nine is the unknown. That's why a lot of people fear death. You know, uh, Jody always said, I'm not sure I want to go to heaven because I don't know what it's going to be there. So we've had these great conversations. She's honest about that. It's the great unknown. We know a little bit about what heaven will be be like, but we don't, it's, it's unknown. And so a lot of people are very fearful of the unknown. We're afraid of pain. I mean, we do all kinds of things to avoid pain. Um, here's one little exercise I do. You know, you ever get a cramp in your toe? Well, my toe will cramp, and I'll just watch it, and I'll let the pain stay there and just let it work through. It's really developed my tolerance for pain, and instead of trying to wiggle it out and make it go away, just feel the pain, and you know what? It'll work its way through, and that's exactly the way emotional pain is. The more you avoid it, the more you drug it, the more you anesthetize it, the deeper it's going to go, and you're never going to get control over it. But if you face your pain, 
You allow yourself to feel the pain. You don't drug it. You don't ignore it. Then God is going to be in that if you allow him. And it will pass through. And you have now overcome it. We can do that. If you're willing to do that, but we're, we're avoiding the pain. Number seven is disappointment. And so we do all kinds of things in our relationships so we won't be disappointed. Number six is misery. Number five, loneliness. Boy, did I find all kinds of things that I was doing in my life so I didn't have to feel lonely. When I learned how to do lonely, wow, has it set me free. I'm not pushing it away anymore. When it happens, God and I are just riding it out. And see, that's what we don't do. We're constantly pushing these things away. Number four is ridicule. Number three is rejection. Boy, do we learn, need to learn how to do rejection instead of spinning our wheels trying to keep from being rejected. Are you following me? Are you guys with me? Are you opening your mind? Are you allowing God to speak to you about personalizing it for you? Number two is death. Boy, when you're ready to die, you're ready to live. When you're ready to die, when you have come to terms with, this is what death will be. And I had to do that when I jumped out of that plane. <laughs> I did. I worked intentionally through overcoming the possibility of injury, the possibility of death, and the possibility that it would go the way I wanted it to. That was only a 33 and a third percent possibility that it was going to go the way I wanted it to. But I came to terms with my life with an injury and my life as death. I even spoke to my family about that. I said, I, God and I have walked through this fear. I'm equipped. I'm ready to go. If I die, family, you can be assured God is done with me. Well, you can see how it worked out, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Okay, so what's fear? That's anxiety. You get it? Anxiety is this big ball of something that you don't even know what it is. The moment you sort, start sorting that out, you're going to diffuse its power over you. What is fear? Well, there's, there's healthy fear and there's uh, unhealthy fear. Healthy fear is realistic. It's based in a, th in a threat. It's designed to help us. Now, we want to teach our children not to run out in the street because there are big hunks of metal out there that's going to kill them. So th that's a good fear, right? There are good fears. And then there are unhealthy fears. There are a lot of fears that we have that really aren't worth the emotional energy uh, to be afraid. Now, these are the things that Americans are afraid of. Uh, number 12, the dark. Number 11, going to the doctor. This was my dad's. My dad feared going to the doctor, and you know what? Eventually, all of us lost him because he refused to go to the doctor. <laughs> number 10 is thunder and lightning. I happen to love that, unless like the Eilerts, their house was struck with lightning, or if somebody... Uh, get struck with lightning. Now, anybody afraid of dogs? I've gotten bit in the face, so I had a little bit in, in the leg. Anybody flying on an airplane? I said, if you're afraid of flying on an airplane, pay my ticket, I'll go with you, and by the time we <laughs> land, you will be over that. I love teaching people how to get over their fears. Uh, number seven is mice. Anybody mice? This is mine. This is mine. And, uh, and, and I have blessed Jody. 
with the fear. My mom blessed me. When a mouse would come through, she would get up on the, the table and she would scream bloody murder. And I'd, I guess I was a child going, ooh, what's there to fear? And uh, so then I did that with Jody. I would jump up on the counter and now Jody does it. And so, <laughs> and last night, uh, Gracie was sitting out there and she said, I'm not afraid of mice. And I said, the cycle has been broken. It's beautiful. Somebody said that if you're afraid of a mouse, just eat one, and so I did. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't think I'd eat a mouse, but anyway, these are the ones. Okay, watch this. The world has a lot of fears, and they all have names. The fear of wide open spaces is called agoraphobia. Fear of spiders, <laughs> arachnophobia. <laughs> the fear of needles, can you roll up your sleeve for me? Is known as trypanophobia. Okay, 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 okay. Just, 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 just. And the fear of heights, oh my goodness, look at the view! Acrophobia. <laughs> if you're afraid of the dark, you've got nyctophobia. Fear of long words is hippopotomonstrosesquipedeliaphobia. Why would they call it that? And fear of being trapped in a confined space with no escape, claustrophobia. Most fears are bad, but there's one kind of fear that's good. The fear of God, realizing that he's powerful, he's in charge. And he loves you perfectly. When we understand this perfect love, it has a way of making us all not so afraid. So when it comes to fear, we have a choice. Fear God. Or fear everything else. Which, by the way, is called panophobia. of uh, fears, and it was mice, and then needles and getting shots, spiders, how about that? Let that spider walk in your hand. Uh, being closed in small spaces, I had that one on my legs. My brothers took a sheet and wrapped it around my legs when I was a kid, and then they'd tickle me, hold my arms back and tickle me. That is torturous. That's, and so to this day, I have to have my leg out from the sheets. And <laughs> the fear of closed space, heights, uh, Tim, we were talking, yep, Tim's back there, and we were talking about that around the campfire the other night. I said, I can help you with that. And then we had a great conversation. Public speaking, anybody afraid of public speaking? You're afraid you'll look like such a fool in front of other people? Believe me, I've had to get over that fear because I've looked like a fool so many times. Last night, my little neighbor, she graduated from high school, from Massaponics High School, and she was the FCA president, so she gave a speech. And uh, I said, were you first, first in your class? She said, no, I was fourth. She's headed to UVA next year, and, but she gave this SCA speech, and her teachers told her that her speech was in the notebook. She got up there, and she's in front of her peers, all of her teachers, everybody at Massaponics High School graduation, and her speech was not there. Would you panic? And this little girl, this, she's not little, she's beautiful, she w walked over, she picked up her phone, she put in her passcode, and she read her speech from her phone. Now that is grace under pressure. 
I said, little lady, you are gifted. She said, really? And I said, yeah, your very few people would ever be able to do that. That's amazing, she, did, she doesn't have that fear. So phobias, here's the thing. Phobias are when you are laser focused on a fear. And that object of what are your, what? Oh, you put something up there, <laughs> fun. <laughs> uh, when you're laser focused on something and that fear gets so big that it gets bigger than you. And then we avoid correcting it. We just don't wanna deal with it. We don't wanna deal with that fear. And that perceived danger is disproportionate to any real danger of overcoming it. And that's where we stay paralyzed and stuck and accept that we're just fearful and full of anxiety. Doctor, would you do something for me? Or we end up in the ER instead of saying, there's a very scientific, easy way to get beyond it. But we have to be willing to do what it takes. I wouldn't even think of doing this without God. There is good news. Anxiety and fear is learned. And anything learned can be unlearned if you're willing to break that habit, that emotional habit. You see, you weren't born, you, you were born with a God-given capacity for fear and anxiety. That's your built-in warning signal. You were built with a capacity, but you learned how to be fearful and paralyzed and out of control and having things in control of you. We learn our fear and anxiety from significant people. I learned it from my mom, I gave it to my daughter. We learn that and we learn it from situations that happen to us in our life. And that's why this stay calm message and where we're going from here is crucial. From the time right here until we end. Because a video talked about the fear of, of the Lord. And you'll find the fear of the Lord talked about in Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, and in Proverbs, in the books of wisdom. And here are three, just very quickly. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Anything that erodes you, anything that destroys you or just is destructive. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do you want the Lord's knowledge? Do you want his wisdom? Are you willing to hate anything that destroys? Martin Luther, who was the, you may not care, but he was the father of Protestantism, he made this distinction about the meaning of fearing God. The difference between servile fear and filial fear. Now, you, this is not in your notes. You don't even have to remember this, but you'll know the difference when I talk about it. Ser servile fear is the kind that a prisoner in a torture chamber has for the tormentor or the jailer or the executioner. It's this dreadful anxiety. It's being frightened in danger. It's having all of that churning inside of you because you learn that from someone significant. And far too many times, Parents are punitive. They punish instead of teaching with discipline. And if we were punished, and if we believed that whatever we did wrong was a bad thing, we will have that kind of fear within us, and it will paralyze us. But filial fear draws from the Latin word family. 
Now, I believe I'm one of the few people, and maybe some of you are here, that had a father that taught me this kind of fear. I could walk into a room, I remember he didn't want me to wear makeup, and uh, so I was at a friend's house and I put a little mascara on. And he was sitting at the table when I walked in, and he looked me straight in the eye. And where's that mascara? <laughs> on my eyes. And this, there was this overwhelming sense of, I just violated this person that I really, really loved. I loved my father. He loved me. He respected me. We had a love relationship. And I wanted, I wanted to please him. I didn't want to go against. I had to express myself, but at the same time, he was there not to punish me, but to help me and to love me. And I'm finding in our world today that very few people have learned this kind of fear, this kind of love, in a love relationship, like a child that learns to have respect and love for the parent because the parent has, has shown them love and respect. And you want to please them. And, and in, when the proverb says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it's this sense of awe, this sense of adoration, this sense of respect for God and his majesty. And there's reason to fear his judgment. When we sin, there's fear. But what that's supposed to do within us is draw us in a desire to please God. You see this beautiful love relationship and that's the fear that we wanna have. That's the fear of the Lord. So we're gonna look into this key verse in Exodus that says, stay calm. The Lord will fight for you. And we're gonna look at an example of how God tells us. And I want you to pay close attention to this and say, Lord, speak to my heart. Because if you can get this, it will set your spirit free from the word of God and your active participation. Moses has just led the Israelites out of slavery. You know that story most likely if you don't come to me afterwards and I'd love to tell it to you. He's led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. They were controlled by fear and oppression. They were slaves. Pharaoh had made them slaves and they were fearful. They lived in that kind of fear. They were whipped and beaten. And Moses led the people out by God's instruction, and they obeyed him. And wave after wave of groups of people went into freedom, out of slavery. And in chapter 13, this, that was chapter 12, and chapter 13 of Exodus said that they celebrated because they said, God, that's why we have celebration service. God, what you've done in our lives, we celebrate you. And God asked them to give them the first of everything they had, the first of their animals, the first of their male ch children. And, and they did, and they gave them over to God. And they were, they, were, they were living with God and they would tell the stories and the miracles of God and God continued to lead them, but he led them through the wilderness. Oh, we don't like this. It wasn't the most direct route. It wasn't the easiest route, but this is the route that God chooses to lead us. And they trusted him. And a lot of times we're praying, God, get me out of this situation. And God says, no, I've led you into this situation so that you can find something that you would not find if you're not in this situation. Don't pray it away. 
It's his gift to you. And so he led them in the wilderness, but he gave them a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And they could travel whenever they wanted to. He left it up to them because they had his guidance at all times, just like we do if we call on it. Meanwhile, back in Egypt, the Pharaoh now realizes that his kingdom has just been emptied of his workforce. All of his slaves are gone, and he ain't liking this. He doesn't like that. And so the Hebrew slaves hadn't returned in three days. Apparently, he would let them go out, and then they would come back in. And after three days, they hadn't come back. And the word on the street was that Moses was taking them on. And Pharaoh was really upset. And so he sets out to chase them down. And this is your fear and your anxiety that sets out to chase you down. And that's exactly what Pharaoh did here. And you know what happens when we get in that kind of danger? We begin to panic. We begin to, our body begins to respond. Our heart rate goes up and it flutters. And our hands get, there is always a physiological response. It's what takes people to the ER. There's always a physiological response to fear and anxiety. And so they're in the middle of that danger and their heart's pounding. They're scared. And just like most of us, they respond really poorly. You know what they do? They turn on their leader and they second guess him and they criticize him. The man that just risked his life to bring people out of slavery and into freedom, they turn on him because they're scared. And they say, why did you bring us out here, Moses? It'd be better to stay a slave and be a victim. It'd be a whole lot easier if we wouldn't have done what it took to be free. They turn on him. That's what unhealthy fear does. And so we pick it up in chapter 14 that contains our key verse. We pick it up where the people are scared to death. They're in the middle of their fear and their anxiety. And listen to what God does. Jehovah instructed Moses. He's giving him instructions. Tell the people to turn toward that place between (laughs) Migdal and the sea opposite Baal Zephon and to camp there along the shore. For Pharaoh will think those Israelites are trapped. You know what that means, right? The enemy can see who he's going after. And God's telling them to camp right in the middle where the enemy can see them. But that's what he's doing. Those Israelites are trapped. Once again, this is what God is telling Moses. I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Moses, I'm going to take care of it. I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. He's going to come after you. I'm not taking the intensity of this problem away. It's going to get worse. Thanks, God. (laughs) Did you ever thank God in the middle of your fear and your anxiety and your problems and say, God, I know you've got something in this for me. I'm going to stick here. And we're going to talk about what it means to stick right in the middle of it. Because God said, I have planned this to gain great honor and glory. You get that? 
Do you want to give God honor and glory for the impossible that just happened in your life? Because it couldn't happen without a supernatural power. Pharaoh and all of his armies and the Egyptians shall know that I am Lord. What's our goal here? Is it for me to feel better? Or as a believer, is it for God to get glory? Because if it is, you'll do whatever it takes and obey whatever he says. Because trusting God means that when things look bleak and you don't understand, even in the middle of this fear and anxiety that you're feeling, God has a purpose in it. And if we won't stop, we won't see it. And we'll just keep wrapped up in all of our fear and anxiety, being a victim to it, letting it control us, paralyzing us, and not being a true witness for God. We sing, you make me brave. We say, take me out into the deep. But do we really mean it when we get in this situation? See, God tells us to do the ridiculous. Stop. Right in the middle of it. One of the most effective things that you can do with a panic attack is stop and say, this is a panic attack. You will diffuse it like that. You take four or five really deep breaths and you gain control of your body and you'll see whether it's a true heart attack or not. You'll know and God will be right there with you. We need to stop instead of being getting pulled into the undertow of these things that are happening in our life and that's exactly what the children of Israel did. Look what verse four says. So they camped right where they were told. They stopped, you know what they did, what happened? They stopped grumbling. They stopped complaining. They stopped about talking about their brothers and sisters. They took their finger away from pointing at Moses. They stopped because they knew God had something for them in the midst of it. They stopped trying to fix it themselves. They were right in the middle of the most intense fear and they remembered what fearing the Lord truly means, that he loves me and he has a purpose for me and he wouldn't take me through anything that he won't equip me for. Do we really trust that? You see, the opposite of fear is not courage. The opposite of fear is love. And being filled with God's love, he is our greatest weapon in any situation of our life. And here's what it goes on to say. Moses told the people. See, now he tells them. Don't be afraid. Because God is with us. And he has purpose for us. And he wants to bring glory to his name. 
And he said, just stand where you are. It gives me chills. Because he's here right now. We brought a lot of fear and anxiety into this room. There's a lot of fear and anxiety online with people watching. Stay calm. Just stand where you are and watch. And you will see the wonderful things that I've done. I've been tested about six times this week since I was preparing this. And I practiced this. And God showed me some things that I would have never seen if I wouldn't have said, stay calm. God's presence is here with me right now. His strength is available to me. And, Mo, and, and God said, the Egyptians that you are looking at, that fear, that anxiety, that danger, you will never see them again. I don't know if it's because their eyes now have shifted squarely on him instead of their fears, instead of their, their anxieties. And here's the beauty. He says, the Lord will fight for you. Stay calm. You've got the Lord on your side. The danger is still out there. The things that scare you are still out there, but now you are equipped. So here we are right here. And we're stopping, we're camping right here because as soon as you walk out that door all your fears and all your anxieties are the things that will give you anxiety are still going to be there they're not going to go away it's lurking out there but we're going to stop right here and if you will tune into god's presence and sense him and laser focus on him Instead of your fears, instead of your worries, and you claim promises. And here's a great one. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, which you will when you walk out that door, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. You're gonna walk through the fire but you're not gonna burn up. Another promise, he who fears the Lord has a secure fortress built all around him. Nothing can penetrate it. Are we walking out of here with that fortress? Are you willing to open your life to the Holy Spirit because that's when he fills us with his love? And when he does that, we're equipped to walk through the fire because you see God plus you is greater than any anxiety and fear there can be. It becomes very small compared to God and me in a partnership. I can tell you this, if you're willing to do what it takes and you're willing to persevere, persevere you will overcome. And so as we spend this time camping out right here, would you just let your fears and your worries be in their rightful place, somewhere kind of small, and allow God's presence 
to just overwhelm and overtake you. Let's just worship and bask in his presence right now. Grand earth has quakes before Moved by the sound of his voice And sees that all are shaken and stirred Can be calmed and broken for my sense that maybe we need to come forward and make our, sm our fears really small and raise the banner that, God, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. When you do that, you begin to diffuse the things that have set out to destroy you. So let's stand together, and as Jody continues to sing this, if you would be brave enough to come out, come up and kneel and say, God, I'm one of those people. I'm one of the 1% that's going to take you seriously and believe that I can camp out in the middle of my danger that's happening in my life, and I refuse to let it overtake me because I'm going to keep my eyes squarely on you. Let's sing this together. Is it well with your soul? For be it for me to not believe Even when my eyes can't see And this mountain lights in front of me Would be thrown into the midst of the sea Oh, 
going to promise you a rose garden. If you're serious about this, it will be the most brutal trip through the wilderness that you will ever take. But I can promise you this. If you endure, practice his presence with danger lurking everywhere, there is a promised land promised to every single one of us, whatever that means in your life. Father, thank you so much for what you've done here this morning. God, we have camped here so that we can give you glory. God, it's because of your strength, because of the knowledge that you give us, because of the revelations that you show us about ourselves, about our fear, about our anxiety, about our past, about our present, that strengthens us. So there's one final verse, and it's verse 15, right after the verse, that's our key verse that says, the Lord will fight for you, just stay calm. He says, I've now equipped you, and it says, then the Lord said to Moses, okay, everybody, right now, quit praying, quit praying, look up at me. You're now equipped, that's what the word says. Quit praying, get up. We're now equipped. We're now equipped. I'm not telling you what I'm saying. The word says this. The Lord said to Moses, quit praying and get up and get the people moving. March forward. We have diffused the power of anxiety and fear. Still gonna be there. You need to look in. Don't be afraid to admit what your fears are. Don't be afraid to say what's in that ball of cloud because the moment you do, God is with you. His presence is there. You are equipped. Now get out of here and move forward, right? Let's sing this song. Come on out, band. Let's go. It is
mighty army rising up. I see a mighty army rising up. You are equipped. Keep your eyes squarely on him. The danger is still there. Take care of it, but go out of here equipped and ready to go. March forward. Thanks for being here. It is good.